Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to assume that everything's okay. Uh, it does seem to be captioning for some reason. It so, is. Uh, welcome to the LNT Chat Show. Um, today, my uh, guest is uh, Anoop, who I'm sure will uh, introduce herself more fully in a second. Um, and ultimately, this uh, this particular episode will be uh, titled Slam Poetry, um, which just as a title fascinated me. But perhaps you'd like to um, to sort of explain a little bit about what was the situation or the the context that led into the, the thing you're going to talk about today. Wow. Um, thank you, Roger, first of all, for inviting me to do one of these sessions. I think they're great. Um, and it's a really nice kind of organic, unscripted forum where we can talk quite quite freely and openly, hopefully, about, about the kind of things that we're doing in teaching. Um, I've always been interested in, I think that, I think really the root of this comes from my own sort of research interests in uh, emancipatory methods, be that empowerment-based, resilience-based, uh, the kind of projects that I'm, I'm involved in sort of with vulnerable, minority, hard-to-reach uh, individuals. Um, I always felt that there were better ways to reach out to people, and I'm very much a research-led teacher in the sense that everything that I read about and I do I try to put into practice or kind of embed it in some way um, within teaching so I I was really I've always been inspired by sort of the work of Paolo Freire um, you know the, his book which I've, I've got on my shelf somewhere the pedagogy of the oppressed I read that some time back and also bell hooks's work on teaching to transgress I think that education and having that space to learn is is an empowering space and it should be an empowering space for young people but I felt that you know I've been in you know this this I call it this business I've been in this business I've been in this industry for about 15 years now and I always found that the minute I felt as though I was going through Groundhog's Day, the minute I felt, hang on a minute, this seems a bit samey, samey. I'm getting students to do an activity, have a certain output and then leave the room. Um, they've just ticked a box in terms of their learning. Are they any further enriched with what they know about the world themselves, how they feel? So I thought, well, I, I want to create a, an environment of learning. I want to create... Um, a community of learners. I don't just want to have students coming into a room, filling out sheets and answering, you know, bullet point questions on the screen. I know that sounds a little bit mean maybe for some people, but I just got, I got, I got stuck in that space thinking, is this all this is about? Well, it's not really. So there's a lot of self-reflection, Roger, I must admit, um, in part of this process, because I am inadvertently in a very powerful position when I'm in the room um, and I didn't want to use that power um, negatively I wanted to use it as a way to sort of encourage others to speak out and that is really about leveling the playing field so the early idea was really to start connecting students with their emotions uh, and also their sort of position in the world you know how they see themselves in that space. Yeah were you concerned at all about because there are there are times when I'm painfully aware of uh, of imbalances in, in the classroom. And I, I mm. again, uh, try to be very careful in terms of inclusivity and, um, in particular, a, a phrase that was used by a colleague many years ago uh, about a particular set of situations where um, she described a sense of othering. So, yeah. you, you know, you speak to somebody and you're trying to be supportive, but actually you may inadvertently be othering them. Mm. So did, did you have any concerns about trying to encourage students to open up more and 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 as you say trying to level that playing field can sometimes 
I guess, could feel quite daunting for students. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's something that, and, and forgive me, because I'm, I'm going to make reference to people that I've been inspired by, but I think it, that, you know, it, these references are, are needed. It's something that um, I remember Bell Hooks writing about in like a collected essays for the book Teaching to Transgressions. She said that don't expect students to take the risks that you wouldn't take in the classroom. So, i.e., you know, <laughs> think about, you know, your own experiences, your own stories. You've got to be as open with them as they are with you. And I understand that from an, you know, a teacher's point of view, an educator's point of view, some people are not comfortable doing that. But one device that I found has worked really, really well to help sort of you know, encourage students to converse, to encourage students to say, actually, this is a safe space. I can say what I feel is storytelling. Um, we overlook it um, as, as a kind of a, a creative kind of device that is used away from, you know, the, the serious work of business or the serious work of teaching. Storytelling allows people to open up in a way that their imagination start flowing, that they start seeing, you know, um, associations or similarities within their own experiences. So I use parts of storytelling to start off some of my teaching. Um, the other Sorry, thing, could, yeah. Could you give us yeah. an example of that? And do you mean storytelling as in creating a novel experience or storytelling yeah. as in relating something to a, 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 a sort of personal experience? Yeah, I think a bit of both, Roger, to be fair. Um, a bit of sort of, you know, this was my experience in being in a space that made me feel like this, this and this. You know, my first time I stepped in front of a, a classroom full of students, um, you know, things like that, things that I found daunting, things that were difficult. Um, and again, you know, uh, constructing stories and, and telling students narratives about other people's experiences as well. So, for example, the, the most recent example I can think of is, you know, the song, The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Yeah. Um, as we all, everybody know, I will not give you a rendition, Roger. I will spare you that pain. Um, but the, you know, it's it's embedded in, you know, sort of popular culture. We all know the song. My students at their age, um, sort of, you really? know, ninety. I, yeah, I, they. I, I'm 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 often quite upset with myself at the number <laughs> of my cultural references that totally pass the students uh, by. I, yeah. I, must, I must admit, I, I'm probably more familiar with the title. <laughs> version from the I think that would have been the 80s or early 90s well they I think they remember it from the Lion King some of ah, them so they they did some of them mentioned sort of the original I use air quotes there the original song by the band I don't remember I've forgotten the name but um very few of them actually knew that the original song was by a man called Solomon Linda um and it was sung in Zulu uh from South Africa I believe so the kind of understanding of the roots. We were talking about cultural borrowing, cultural appropriation, cultural extraction. We were having these conversations and they were fascinated that they had no idea where the original song had come from, but also the sad fate of that man at the end who was paid no royalties, uh, died pretty much poor and destitute, um, but was given a job as a cleaner at the record company that took the song. So it's, you know, these things, they they sit with students and they remember them, they think, is that, is that really what happens? I'm like, yeah, pretty much. I'm giving you the short version, uh, mm. but there are a longer, longer versions available. But using those devices to try and make things very real um, it is important. But but also creating a space that you know where students feel that they are listened to. Um, 
everybody, this idea that knowledge is coming from me, that, that, that's really hard to break that idea when students are sat in a room. That knowledge doesn't come from me, it comes from the people within the room. And it's reinforcing that idea to say, we're creating and constructing knowledge within this space. And you're an equal participant as is somebody who's written a journal paper on it, for example. So to me, ensuring that their voices are important and they're reminded that their voices are important is, is something that I try to embed quite heavily in the teaching. Is that something that you think, I mean, presumably a sense of empowerment to students is something which would be appropriate across all years. Yeah. Should, should there actually be perhaps an emphasis on what we're talking about at level four, because that's essentially where you are you know, setting expectations and, and setting standards. And I, I yeah. often feel that we, we simply, you know, we, we miss a massive opportunity to create a space for learners that would actually, you know, be incredibly beneficial to them, as opposed yeah. to simply giving them a set of rules and structures and, and processes that, you know, they either adapt to or, or in, in many cases, they actually don't seem to adapt to particularly well or they, they, they struggle with. Yeah, I, th I think you I think you're absolutely right with that, Roger. I think it needs to be done kind of very early on at the university level um, that students need to understand themselves. Um, and we forget that we're teaching young people, these human beings who come from a range and a variety of different contexts. How can they use those contexts as a strength, not as a deterrent, not as something that's pulling them back? How can they understand themselves? Because understanding the self is probably one of the core ideals of real um, empowered learning because the minute you start investing yourself in your learning you will spend that time to understand um, I'm not uh, you know I don't like the idea of this banking concept of education where we have a, a list of things that students need to revise they regurgitate it in an exam and they're not enriched all they're showing is that they've got fantastic memory um, and again that's different rote learning and real learning you know how do we ensure that we are you know, giving young people the space to understand their own subject positions in a very complex environment. And I think we start detaching them from subjects. So we say, here's accountancy or here's HRM. We're going to teach you about HRM, but we don't, we, you're not, we're not going to talk about you in the context of the subject. Yeah. I think we need to say you in the context of this subject. It's a harder job to do. It's going to take 10 times the time um, to prepare and, and do all of this. And I understand it's, it's difficult. It's very difficult. We're all stretched for time. Um, but I think as long as we have those touch points that we can embed, and I think at level four, it is really important that this is a, a constant journey. It's a journey, one that should be enriching, but it starts right from the get go, really. So I agree with that. Okay, so moving forward, and, and this is, it's kind of a, a double-edged question, really, because, you know, obviously, I know we're here to talk about slam poetry, but one, where did slam poetry come from? And two, <laughs> were there actually other things that, that you know, you had thought about or you'd seen and, and wondered if they might work? And so was there a, a process of, of sort of thinking, or oh, slam poetry is probably, a, you know, one of the better ways of doing this? Or was it just you know that yeah. was an option and you thought well I'll try that one out 
Um, I think one of the things, and this was this was again many years ago uh, when I was teaching at another institution, um, and I'd come across slam poetry completely by accident. Um, I think I'll be honest; it was the YouTube rabbit hole, Roger. That's what it was. I ended up checking <laughs> stuff out. I was looking for a really good clip for some part of my lecture, and I came across. I think it was Marshall Jones. Like I, I forget. I forgive me because he has a double barrel surname I'm sure he does but Marshall Jones uh, that name comes to mind and he had a, a a slam poem which he he I think he won an award for or he he won a prize for at a contest and it was called touch and it was about the the idea of technology within our everyday lives and it was so profound it was so powerful and when I actually played this video to students years ago they were completely sort of absorbed in the narrative they mm. they couldn't believe that th that's one way of getting out some real critique about technology our everyday lives our our dependency upon technology it's, it's quite an old poem um in in sort of new terms if that makes sense but it, it was profound and I think that resonated with me it resonated with students and I kind of left it there for some years thinking you know I, I don't know if students would 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 be willing to do something like this but the style of slam um and I remember and this is uh, you know I've, I've written about this very recently for for a journal but um it's called it was referred to as the noisy toddler of the poetry world because um you know and again it was it was sort of bolted on to you know more formal poetry conferences because it was that alt type of thing it was old fresh new um and things like that so it wasn't given that seriousness but in a way I think the rebellious nature of slam and the fact that it's so organic, it can be so personal, it can be so powerful when it's orated, when it's presented. I think that that resonated with young people. I think the idea of rebelliousness, of breaking, you know, these kind of uh, strict structures, be it through, you know, formal writing or formal poetry, they've been stuck writing formal assignments for so long. And they were at sort of the third year thinking, oh God, we've got another essay coming up. We've got to write yeah. a certain way. We're being forced to write a certain way. There is no real organic expression in that, in the structure of the formal essay. So I think part of the, um, the kind of engagement with that activity was the fact that students were, were given a free reign to say, tell me what annoys you. You know, what is your subject position? How do you see yourselves within this space? And it took them 10 minutes to scribe what they scribed. And yes, the internet and online learning made a huge difference to this because everybody was anonymous and mm. there was nobody watching anybody else writing. There was no formal presentation. I read the poems out on a Padlet wall, which was populated. I've never seen that many um, kind of posts to a Padlet wall for teaching. And students were just in reams. They were just adding and posting and adding and posting and they were talking about their frustrations, their fears, their hopes, their, you know, and it was it was like this. Suddenly the box had just opened and someone asked them, how do you feel? And I think that's where it clicked for me. And, and can you give a, an, an idea of um, what's what's the, the module that they're on and mm. the point at which they are on that particular module? How, yeah. how does this how does this because clearly for a lot of students, they they. They want, in a way, to sense a purpose for what is being done. So you can say, mm. oh, right, yeah, OK, so this will allow me to do or this will allow me to understand or whatever. 
Yeah. So this was done on the final year um, global consumer cultures module um, in, in BAL. And what I'd done is their second piece of coursework is, in essence, a TED talk. And to allow them to ensure that they create a TED talk that's coming from you know, passionate expressions, be those positive or negative. It's about channeling emotions in a way to allow audiences into that space that they're trying to sort of, um, they're trying to sort of connect with. So it was a feeder into that. So it was trying to get students to tap into their emotions. Um, they've not been asked to do this a lot at university. And I got that, I get a sense of that from my third years now, um, because again, I've asked them about their feelings and, and, and what they feel about certain things. And and it's it's seemingly an easy thing to do, but they it, it it throws them off a bit because they've never been asked how they feel. Um, so I think that's 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 quite an interesting take in of itself. But I think what yeah it it kind of fed into the TED talk because it allowed them to tap into feelings on a certain topic um, and how they saw themselves within the context of that topic. So the topic that we were covering that week was youth. And again, it, it will resonate with them quite naturally as well. And there were a lot of critical um deep and emotive um, poems that were created off the back of that. So it was feeding into the ultimate kind of TED talk to say, we're training for TED. I was training them to ensure that they knew how to use elements of, of that kind of uh, thing, the things that they felt passionate about, really. Um, and, and use that. What, were there any guidelines? Was there any guidance? I mean, presumably you'd, you'd shown them a piece of poetry, a piece of slam yes. poetry or, yeah, yeah. and... and are there any things that people would need to be aware of if the, if they wanted to use the technique? Are there yeah. are there things you can go ah well before you use it really you need to think about X Y and Z. Yeah, I think I mean this was done sort of within I think by about week ten or eleven uh, last year, so it was well after sort of the first piece of course it was handed in, so they knew. By that time, they knew the, the kind of content of the module, where I was steering students, the fact that I wanted to listen. They wouldn't engage um, if they felt that their voices were not valued or they didn't want to be heard. Um, I always tried to encourage and ensured that, look, this is this is your space. You, you know, take it as you want it, make sure that you're you're adding in your comments and things. So we've had loads of fruitful discussions about various topics, but I think ensuring that there is that element of trust built between myself and the students is a huge component of this. Um, you know, does this person care? Does this person really value the things that are coming out of my mouth? Does this person want to know about, you know, my context, where I'm from, what experiences I've had? I think that requires a real strong embedding across the module because and I've said this to, to other people as well in the past that have asked about this approach don't just bolt it on to an existing module it's not going to work um, mm. and I know it sounds a bit mean to say this is part of a journey that the learning is is a journey for that particular module and this can be embedded across other modules but that wanting to hear wanting to listen to other students' ideas to ensure that they know that their voices are extremely powerful. Um, and they really are. You know, the TED Talks that have been produced over the years are fantastic. They're phenomenal. They're really great. And some of them come from very personal spaces. Um, mm. 
And they've overlapped, what they do is they overlap their personal experience with some of the themes of the module. One example from a couple of years ago, I, I will never forget this TED Talk because it left such an impression. Um, the student, the title of the TED Talk was Can I Touch Your Hair? The experience of a, a black student in an all-white school. And she overlapped this with the idea of uh, media representation of blackness, how that changed other people's identification of her and assumptions of her, but equally how she tried to consume whiteness so that she could eradicate elements of her uh, of her kind of racial background. It was quite it's such an interesting uh, TED talk. And, and ultimately, she sort of got to a point where she said, well, actually, I think I found myself now. I think I know who I am. I think I know where I need to be. But those experiences were personal, but they 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 kind of allowed her to take this empowered approach to, to sharing a story within the context of the module. And I think that's it's it's a difficult thing to do, but it is possible. Um, so, yeah, it was they did see a poem um, and the poem was from I think it was a Coca-Cola campaign over the pandemic. Um, and they asked poets to talk about the pandemic, not that we need to hear more about it, but um, it was a nice take. And the poet, um, and I've forgotten his name now, the poem was called Open. And right. it was about being open. And it was about this the, the kind of ensuring that we remind ourselves of how important it is to be, you know, close in proximity to other people and things like that. And that, again, it resonated with students, but they they saw the style of the poem. And I think the style, the minute you say poem, students have this, oh gosh, yeah, these yeah. are sonnets. This is Shakespeare. This <laughs> I don't want to get involved in all of this. And then what you do is you break their worldview for that moment. And you say, actually, shall I show you what I mean? And then you play that and they think, Okay, so that is poetry. I'm like, yep, mm. it absolutely is poetry. So you, you to be able to disrupt and and break these boundaries to say that you can express yourselves in a manner um, that is still considered that I would still consider as as poetry. Um, I think it was quite quite amazing um, to see what they produced off the back of that. So it's a journey. It's not something. It's not an activity that you can just easily and seamlessly embed unless your students have already have that level of trust, um, you know, with you to know that you really care about what they think. OK, I'm conscious of uh, of the fact that we, in fact, I think we've just gone slightly over the, the <laughs> 30 okay. minutes and it is clear that there are many, many more things that we could talk about. And so hopefully um, I'd like to invite you back at some point um, later in the year, maybe for uh, a continuation or um, a, an evaluation of some of the other uh, things that you've done, particularly this this idea of um, creating safe spaces and, and encouraging students to feel that um, they can present themselves and, and present, you know, that their personal experience and expression um, is as valuable as any of the sort of information that we're trying to transfer the other way. So for now, at least, I'd like to say thank you so much, Anouk, for agreeing to do this and sharing Pleasure. your time. Um, yeah. I've just, just got to work out how to actually stop, stop the recording. Now.